Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently when the time, or what the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, when they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And then look over in Matthew. I'm sorry, uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and look in um, verse 1. <clears throat> and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the Lord and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. 
and they were sore afraid. You know, it's amazing. You hear it's, sometimes people, they, they claim they saw an angel. They claim they saw um, Jesus or different things. But, you know, when Jesus appears to you, your life's going to be different. Yeah. You're not going to be just nonchalant about it. No. You know, you're not just going to be chewing gum and just, you know, doing a video saying, yeah, Jesus just appeared to me. And, uh, no, I mean, there's going to be a holy reverence and a, and a fear about you. And so it says that they were, they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not. And that's always the message we, we see when the Lord appears to people. How many times do we see that? Fear not. Why? Because what's the natural tendency of the flesh? It's to be afraid. When you come in contact with the Almighty God. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I thank God today for his joy in my life. And joy comes from knowing, knowing him. You know, it, it doesn't come from external things. Joy comes from knowing him and, obe of course, obeying him. You know, if, if there's something you know God wants you to do and you're not doing it, then there, there's something on the side that's, that's just not satisfied. But when you know that you're doing everything he's telling you to, you'll have joy. And for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So I want you to just go back a few verses. In verse 7, it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I want to look at that last phrase. There was no room for them in the end. And my message simply is this, making room for Jesus in your heart. Making room for Jesus in your heart. You know, one thing I found is, is a lot of times people, they don't like to be inconvenienced, do they? You know, if you really find a friend, call them at two in the morning. Hey, I need help. You'll see how much, you know, a friend, they really are, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I know like in a lot of countries, people are very hospitable. But, you know, it's not, it's not as much like that in this country. People don't want you coming into their house. If you even get closer to their, their, their curb or something, they just kind of look at you like, you know. So, and there's not that, that where, you know, people just stay over or they just have, you know, lots of people over, even relatives. <laughs> and so you have to make room in the same manner for the things of God. You have to make room. You know, it's like this, like even in the South, you have, you know, you'll have people that have like a big car and 
you know, big Lincoln or something, and they say, you got all this extra room in there, and they get in there and say, um, hey, um, you don't have any extra room in there, do you? No, no, we don't, you know. People don't like to, sorry, I can't take that right now. People are not as hospitable. You know, the Bible tells us to be hospitable. Thank you, Miss Sharon. You, you. Hospitable. Just to walk in love one to another. And so, one thing that we have to do in, in our day, in our age, it's because of, of the, the life that people live, they're so busy. You know, that's, that's one thing. If you ask people two things, what are they going to say? They're tired and they're busy. They're tired and they're busy. And, and like that's justification to, to live like that. <laughs> but you have to make room today for the things of God. Here, there was no room for them in the end. And I, I believe this for many different reasons, but they didn't know what was before them. They didn't know who this was that was born that they would not give up their place and say, you know, you come take this room. You come have this. The same thing happens today. People don't realize who is in their midst. That Jesus, 2,000 years ago, came through um, time in eternity, stepped into time, and was born, gave his life as a ransom. You know, think about the, the thief on the cross. Now, you know, it's just like they had the, the, um, the, the program, World's Dumbest Criminals. You know, it's like the guy, he comes up and he's, um, he's going to go and get a, you know, case of beer and stuff. And, the, and they say, uh, hey, um, he said, here, I, w I want this and all the money out of the register. They say, okay, but before you do, I need to see your ID. And then he grabs the ID and takes off, you know, and like then the guy, you know, he's taken, you know, because. <laughs> well, you think about this, the world's dumbest sinner. I mean, if you if you made if you made a, a, a program about that here, this man on the cross, he's he reviling Jesus, the son of God. One of the criminals says, hey, he says, Lord, remember me in my kingdom. He says today you shall be with me in paradise. And so here the one went with Jesus, whatever happened to the other man on the cross. Here he was in the presence of greatness and missed it. But we today have to make room for Jesus in our heart. Jesus truly is the reason for the season. We have to make room for going to church. You have to make room for putting his things first place in your life. The book of Psalms, Psalm 63, listen to what it says. It is such an important principle in our lives today. Psalm 63, one says this, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see your power and your glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. 
When I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the night watches, because you've been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul follows hard after you. I mean, that's the way it should be in our lives today. If we're really following the Lord, if he stops walking, then our nose is going to be right in his back. He's not going to have to say, okay, come, follow me and, and stop it. We're going to be right there with him the whole way. So he says, my soul follows hard after thee. <clears throat> Look at um, verse 9. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. But notice he starts off by saying, you are my God, early will I seek you. You know, we see this in different ones talk about how they serve God in their youth. It's important. Now, we know that a lot of people, they are where they're at. And so thank, thankfully, I mean, I was 18 years old when I gave my life to the Lord. But I'm glad I did. But how much better when they're young and younger? And making room for him all through our life. <clears throat> and so, one of the things about it, this word, like he says here, early. You know, one of the, the greatest enemies we have is procrastination. And, you know, people say things like, well, you know, one of these days, because I've heard these things, one of these days, I'm, I'm just, I'm really going to get serious with God. When? Well, you know, one day I'm just going to, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do this and I'm going to fast and pray. But you know that what happens is one year goes by, two years, five years. Then you look up 10, 20 years gone by, 30, 40 years, and then you're gone. You're out of here. And so we have to make decisions today. Lord, I'm going to put you first. That's what this fast is about. It's not just to see how, how strong your will is. It's not, you know, just to see, you know, if you can put brownies and snicker bars away for a week. <laughs> Amen. I like, I like those things myself. <laughs> but it's, it's to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to put you first. <clears throat> you know, that's one of the words for diligence, actually. How many know it's a godly thing to be diligent? The Bible talks about diligence and, and th that the hand of the diligent shall be made rich. Yep. If you just do things and be diligent, you'll be promoted in life. Amen. And so one of the things about the word diligent is this, at dawn, early. Why? Because if you do those things early and at dawn, it means it's first place in your life. So the psalmist says, early will I seek you. My, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Hallelujah. And so one of the things that's obvious though, that we see in life is we're talking about making room for Jesus in our heart. You don't make room for things in life that you don't think are important. Even as we see here in the end, they didn't know who was in their midst. They didn't know what was before them. You know, people today don't realize what God has placed before them. Even as my wife said, it's, it's not a small thing, even the guest speakers that we've had in this church. And um, 
I know when I first gave my life to the Lord, I, my pastor told me this. He said, you know, there's people that wouldn't walk across the street if Oral Roberts was there. And you think, not surely people would. But no, that's just, that's the way it is. And especially, especially in, in I, I know it's this way, especially in this town, but, you know, people won't walk across the street to go to another church. Why, this is my church and that's another church and I'm not, I can't go over there, you know. You know, the Lord could send Jesus, Jesus Christ himself could be in the flesh if people would, wouldn't go. That's just the way people are. Some people didn't like that, but that's all right. <laughs> and so what happens many, many times is, is people miss their visitation. They miss what's before them. I want you to look over in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, in verse 41. Now, this is when Jesus came in the town, and we see in verse 40, he answered and said, I tell you that if there should, these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. I've always said, I'm not going to let a rock take my place and, and cry out just because I don't praise the king. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. From the day shall come upon thee that thy enemy shall cast a trench about you and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. And shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because you knew not the time of thy visitation. You knew not the time of your visitation. I don't know if you realize this, but God is doing a, a wonderful thing in this church. And so you don't ever want to take the things of God for granted. You don't want to take for granted that we believe the word of God is the inspired word of God. You don't want to take for granted a Bible-believing church. You don't want to take for granted a spirit-filled church where signs, miracles, and wonders will happen. Hallelujah. You know, I remember back in 1993, I went to Bible school and had the privilege to sit under Dr. Kenneth Hagin for a couple years there, and I remember him saying this, and it really just kind of, it's one of those things that you hear, you know, some things should grab a hold of you. Some things should alarm you. <laughs> there should be some things that, uh, for the lack of, of a better word, they put the fear of God in you. And... Um, but he was saying that he, one day he was coming to school, and this was in the, I think in the 80s when this happened. He said he was coming to school, he, he turned, and of course I know where he's talking about. He said he turned off of 71st Street, and he was turning to go towards the school, and he said the Spirit of God spoke to him. The same way he speaks to every, every child of God, through the inner witness, and the still small voice. But he said that the Lord spoke to him and said, Ananias and Sapphira in, the, in Acts chapter 5 were right in the midst of the greatest move of God and they missed it. 
He said, warn the students so that they don't miss it. And um, now he didn't really give any specifics there, but I do remember one other time he talked about, he came into the class. And as, if you know his ministry, he operated as a prophet and teacher in that order. And in fact, he got in trouble one time with the Lord because he put his teaching ministry first. And um, he didn't lay hands on people for a long time for healing, and he got in trouble with the Lord. And so he had to, he had to reverse that. In fact, if you, he, he, um, he was in a convention one time. He said that, he said my um, main ministry is teacher prophet. He said right then, I don't know if he realized it or not, but he said the Spirit of God told him later, he said right then when you did that, you got out of my perfect will. Because that's what he was, he's supposed to be a prophet teacher. And so he was ministering one day in the class. And um, even that was in the beginning days. And so the building where, um, where I went to school was only half the size. But he's looking back there and he sees a young man in the back, on the back row, about where Matt is. And says, um, he says, young man, um, I want you to come uh, make an appointment, come see me. And um, I want to talk to you. And then he just kept on teaching. And, um, but he never did. And so uh, what he, uh, he said later on in the school year, even the day before, um, someone came over, and I'll tell you what happened, but this guy came up to him. He said, hey, did you ever go see Brother Hagen? You know, he, he wanted you to make an appointment. He said, no, and I'm not going to either. Well, the next day he fell into um, unconsciousness, into a coma, and never came out. <clears throat> and um, what Brother Hagen saw, though, was like a, he saw this, he says sometimes there's the spirit of death on someone. He says sometimes it's like a mask over their face. And he saw that. Well, they called a prayer meeting and came Monday and prayed Tuesday. And then he said, it was like the spirit of God said, um, you know, what are you doing? He said, he said he's going to die. And the Spirit of God said, because what, what he did is said, um, he said, Holy Ghost, you're not, you're not taking hold together. You know, the Bible says that he helps our infirmities. Now, he's not talking about sickness and disease. He's talking about our weaknesses. One of the, our weaknesses is we don't know what to pray for as we ought. You know, how many know that's a weakness? Sometimes you don't know what to pray for. So you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, I trust you. And you begin to pray in, in the Spirit in other tongues. So he said, Holy Ghost, you're not helping me. You're not, you're not taking to get, hold together with me against us. He said, no, and I'm not going to either. He's going to die. He said, well, you can't explain all that. <laughs> he just said, they got up and said, well, let's just lift our hands and praise God. And he died, I think, the next day. But anyway... Suffice to say, he, he didn't put the things of God first. He didn't put those things first. And so just like, you know, it's, it's like this. And what got me into that was knowing the time of your visitation. Not knowing what's before you. All he would have had to done is go, go see the man of God and make the, the correction and there were some different things that he had to do. 
You know, sometimes there's things that we have to do and make adjustments in our lives. <laughs> How many remember with Jesus when he, one of the places that he was based out of was Capernaum. But do you know that he was really, really hard and strong against Capernaum? Why? Because they had seen miracles. They had seen signs and wonders. You know, he told this one city, he said, if the works had been done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented a long time ago. I mean, that's a bad testimony there. <laughs> so we have to learn not to despise what's before us. And that's, that's, that goes with putting Jesus first and letting him be ruler in our heart. Amen. Don't despise what is before you. And you know what's interesting? When you read the Bible, the word despise is not as strong sometimes as we think. Like, what do we normally think despise means? If you despise somebody, I don't like them. That makes me sick. You know, people think that kind of stuff. And, and they say, you know, they, they did this and that. And so they despise them. But in the Bible, to despise something is to not esteem it. So you don't mean you don't pay attention to it. So you can despise something and not have a hatred for it. You just don't pay attention to it. So we, we can't despise the things of God. We can't just, you know, when you look in the, in the Bible, one of the parables Jesus talked about, he talked about this farmer. Remember, he talked about this farmer that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have these barns. I'm going to build greater barns and tear these down and build greater barns. He said, he said, thou fool, your soul shall be required of you tonight. And whose things will those be that you've laid up? See, he didn't, he didn't make sure that his eternal destiny was secured. Now, there's nothing wrong with having things and having, God wants us to be blessed. But, but not at the expense of someone going to hell. <laughs> you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I wouldn't want riches because I might not serve God. Well, if I believed that, then I would look to change that real quickly and not believe that. But if, if it comes between someone serving God and going to hell because they can't handle riches, then I pray that they'd be poor all the days of their life and make heaven. Hallelujah. And so we have to make room every day. And this is a, this is a good message for the, the beginning of the year. Make room for him. Make room for him. Take your, I mean, we do a chapter a day. Take your one-year Bible as well and, and read, read passages in, in every day. And, you know, that's the key is, is consistency. It's not just about intense effort. You know, you can do a lot by intense effort. You know, someone says, well, you know, man, I hadn't been to the gym in about two months. And they, they go to, you know, or they've never been to the gym. And they say, well, that doesn't look too hard. And then they get up under... They put 300 pounds on the, uh, on the bar. They can't even get off the rack. Why? Because you're not used to it. Same thing with prayer. You, you know, people haven't used their prayer muscles or not in a long time. What do you have to do? You have to just start out and exercise it. And that's what we were talking about the last couple of Wednesday nights. Ex feed your spirit, exercise it. So you have to learn to make room. Make room for the anointing this year. Make room for the anointing. See, you begin to make room for the anointing and the anointing will make room for you. Yes. 
And I want you to look over in Luke chapter 14. You know, many times people, people don't realize where they are in life. And it's a, it's a trick employer of the enemy. But they, they think they don't need it. Well, you know, I don't, I don't really need to go to church. I'm doing pretty good. It's kind of like this. Well, you know, I don't need to read my Bible. I'm doing pretty good, you know, until something hits. Boom. And then they realize where they, what a deficit they're really in. Who's ever had this happen? You know, you, you ever just thought about, you know, maybe you've, you know, you've been out of school a few years and maybe you're upper 20s, 30s, or even more like I am. And, uh, and you say, late 40s, and you say, you know, yeah, let's, you know, my brothers and I used to play football at Thanksgiving and stuff. You know, you eat a big meal like this big, then you go rest for a few minutes, then you throw football, then you, what do you do? You go eat some more. Well, you know, if you, if you haven't, sometimes if you don't exercise or haven't in a while, you think you can do more than you can. Have you ever got out there and somebody say, hey, John, come on, let's, let's go play uh, uh, some basketball. Yeah, I can get out there. I can run down the court. You run a couple times and you're just like. <sighs> you know, the same thing happens spiritually. What happens is people, they're, they're not feeding their spirit. They're not going to church. They're not involved in the things of God. And they can do okay for a while. But then something happens, something hits them. And they realize, oh, buddy, I don't have, I don't have faith for this. I don't, I don't have the, the resources. And you realize you start to exert yourself. It's like this. If you're really weak in your spirit, you start to say if you need healing in your body. Lord, I see that this is, this is in your word. This is for me. And I just believe. And that's where people are at. But see, as you feed upon the word, there's strength that comes out of it. And as you do that, you get built up on the inside. You get built up on the inner man. And the inner man, that's why Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Why? Because you, you get to the place where you just intimidate the flesh. How many think that would be a good place? You intimidate the flesh. The flesh, uh, uh, can I do this? No. <laughs> All right, you know. But see, well, a lot of times what happens is the spirit man, it's this faint little voice. The flesh says, I'm going to do it. No, don't do it. But see, you begin to build your spirit man up and you intimidate the flesh. That's why Paul said, I keep under my body. I bring it in subjection. The Greek actually says it like this. I beat it black and blue. Then you find Luke 14. Look at verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto them, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. See, I, I, feel, I feel comforted in the fact that Jesus called the evening meal supper. Sometimes you say supper, people look at you like, Don't you mean dinner? No. I'm just following Jesus. He said supper. Amen. 
Dinner is the meal you eat in the middle of the day, right? <laughs> I usually do say lunch, but. So he made a great supper and he called them saying, come for all things are made ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Why? You know, you understand. I mean, I have to take care of this. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of his house, being angry, said to a servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded and there is yet room. And the Lord said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him and he turned and said to them, if any man come to me, now, before we go to that, look at this last, what Jesus said. This man invited, but what, what happened? One by one, they began to make excuse. Why? Because something else was more important. Now, we know people work, and the people are busy, and they, they have jobs, but the thing that you always have to put before you, and we always talk about this, is being eternally minded. A lot of people live down here like they're going to do what they're doing forever. They go to work, come home, you know, they, they eat, watch TV, do the same thing the next day and the next day, thinking they're going to do this forever. But we're not. And so we have to always put the things of God first. Put Him first. You know, that's why the Bible talks about bringing the first fruits of all your increase. You know, that's the principle of life, not just in our finances, but everything we have. Yeah. Don't, don't just, well, you know, I worked hard and all that, and then I'm just, I'm going to give God a little bit of my time at the end of the day, and people are wore out. So it's good at the beginning of your day. Start your day in prayer. Amen. I think it's good. You know, don't, you know, you need to pray before you start the day, before you start adventuring out, because you start running into problems, and you say, oh, boy, I should have, I should have prayed about that. But, you know, if you, if you start your day, say, Lord, I just thank you right now for ordering my steps. I thank you that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by you. And, Lord, even as I go out, I thank you that you lead me, you guide me. Give me favor. Give me direction. Show me, Lord. Keep me from, from doing the wrong step. But, Lord, I thank you that you lead me in the right way. And then you give the Lord and you give the Spirit of God something to work with. Amen. <clears throat> And so look what he says here in verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not telling you to hate your father. But what he's saying, if, and you'll look in other places, it's, it brings the idea of this, love less. Yeah. 
Jesus should be above every person. I mean, my wife and I both know this, and we've said this. And I've said, I love you, but I love Jesus more. Jesus is, is my Lord. He's, he's everything. And so that's what he's saying. He said, if, if you don't put me first, he said, and hate your own life, you know, not putting yourself first, he said, you cannot be my disciple. How many, how many want to follow Jesus all the way? Amen. Then what do we do with verses like this? <laughs> he said, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Look how many times he says the word finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So that's why the Bible tells us to compel people. To compel people. You know, sometimes that's the only thing you can really do is compel people. You can't make people do anything, and you shouldn't. And so we just compel people to come in to serve God. And, of course, also by your life. People should see that, that Jesus is number one in your life. People should see that Jesus comes first. Look over, uh, skip over a couple chapters to chapter 21. Might not be your typical Christmas message today. Hey, but we did read uh, Matthew 1 and Luke 2. Luke 21, verse Jesus says this, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The Bible tells us in verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So this we see all through Scripture. Take heed to yourselves. Watch, therefore, and pray. Examine yourself, the Bible says, whether you be in the faith. You know, 
I've said this before, and it's kind of, you hear this quite often, though. You ever heard somebody, you ever told someone something, try to bring a little correction? You know, just a little godly correction. I mean, just like, hey, you know, I did it this way, and it didn't work. And, you know, even in the natural, you do that. What do people, especially spiritually, what do they say? Well, you're not my judge. God judges me. If people even post that, they'll say, God judges me. Well, you know, I wouldn't be so foolish to print something like that. Because the Bible says, judge yourselves and you should not be judged. I don't want God to judge me. I want to judge myself every time. Why? Because it's much better to judge yourself. According to what the Bible says. I'm not talking about condemning yourself. I'm not talking about, you know, you fillet yourself and you have no faith left. I'm, I'm talking about you judge yourself. You just say, you know what, Lord? I, I know that's wrong. And I, I judge it. I call it sin, sin. I call this wrong and I'm not going to do it. I repent. I ask you to forgive me and I'm walking the other direction. In Jesus' name, amen. And so when I do that, I judge that as wrong. I judge myself and the Bible says, and you shall not be judged. And you shall not be judged. That's good news today. Yes. If I judge myself, I don't, I'm not going to be judged. No matter what I've done. Let's see, here's the thing. If people don't judge themselves, they will have to pay for it. But Jesus already took the penalty. If you judge yourself, then he took it. I don't have to bear it. Yeah. And you know, the same thing goes with, we, we know that with sin. But the same thing applies with sickness and disease. People need to get the revelation that sickness and disease is not just an un, uncomfortable thing. It's not just something that's a, a malady. It's not just something. It is a curse from hell. It's a curse that doesn't belong to me. And until you get mad with it, you won't, you won't resist it. And you'll just have it. You know, anything you think's the will of God, you won't try to stand against it, will you? You know, people do that. And they'll say, well, you know, I'm just, the Lord's working something out in my life. And, and he's just, he brought this so I could be closer to him. Well, they should be praying for all kinds of cancer and, and all kinds of things too. So they could be closer to the Lord. You know, it's kind of like Pastor Ryan said when he was here. People come to the healing school and say, what are you here for? Well, I'm just, I'm here to be closer to the Lord. It's called healing school, not, not get closer to God's school, even though you will get closer to God. Amen. What, what, are, you doing, what are you doing up here? Uh, you, you need prayer. I don't know. I just, the Lord knows what I need. Well, you should know too. You should know what you need. <laughs> now, I know that, that sometimes we just, we worship God and we just stay in his presence and that's a different kind of prayer where you just spend time with the Father. But you need to be specific and that's why as we come into this next week, next, next, next Sunday is the beginning of the year. So I want you to this week write a list of what you're believing God for for this next year. Amen. I know of a, I know a minister and um, a, lot of, a lot of churches do this. They have a vision Sunday. 
And I know with them, they have a vision Sunday and they write down. Now, the first thing they write down is what they would like to, what they see themselves giving that year. And then also, any debts they have and uh, what they would do if money was not an issue. And you know, it's funny because kids hear you. My son, he's, we were talking. He said, yeah, Dad, it's just like you said, act like money's no object. So then he, he proceeds to tell you all the things he could do <laughs> since money is no object. You know, you were preaching that, so. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he was saying, he said, Mom, you remember what Dad said, you know, live like uh, money's no object. <laughs> well, you plan as if money's no object. But you don't just go out and just, in the name of living by faith, you just charge up everything. You know, when, when I was in Bible school, they would have a, a class called Practical Christian Living. Do you know that, that you have to learn how to walk out your, your Christian life? You know, the Bible says, by his stripes I was healed. But I'm not just going to throw my glasses down and, and crunch them. Until I have a manifestation in my sight. You know, people throw their, their medicine away and almost die. You have to learn to have cooperation. There was a man that, that had insulin. You know, he, he took insulin every day. And, and he had been prayed for. So you know what he did? Every day he said, Lord, he'd give himself a shot and say, Lord, I thank you for this. That, I mean, not for the insulin, but... Lord, I thank you that I'm healed today. I thank you that I'm healed today. And so he kept taking it. And as he did that, he kept building his faith. Till one day, he, he, he took his blood sugar and he didn't need it anymore. Amen. I'll give you one other. And this really doesn't have anything to do with the message, but I, I think it goes with what we were just saying. And there was a man who came to... Um, To, um, to a healing school in uh, Brother Hagen's healing school. And as the minister was, was teaching, he, um, this guy came up to him and said, um, he said, Brother so-and-so, he said, I want to quit smoking. And said, we don't condemn people if they smoke. That's, if, people, if people love God and they, they smoke, then they may want to. Amen, we don't condemn people. But if you want to be free, you can be free. I said, if you want to be free, you can be free. So this, he came up to this minister and said, he said, I want to be free. He said, brother, I've thrown away more cigarettes than I can count. He said, like Brother Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, he, he, he used to smoke. And he, and he said that he threw away more cartons out and, and then turned around to go get them. But then someone had, had drove over with a car. So he had to go buy some more. And so he came to him, though. I want you to know, notice here the power of the word. He said, I want to be free. He said, he said, will you do what I tell you? He said, yeah. He said, but I, I've been prayed for. He said, I didn't ask, you know, just do what I tell you. He said, okay. He said, every time, just like this man, whenever he took that shot, he said, Lord, thank you that I'm healed. He said, um, every time you, you, you light up a cigarette, say, thank you, Lord, that I'm free from cigarettes. 
He said, yeah, but I'm, I'd be smoking. He said, I know, but you've been smoking already. He said, will you do it? He said, yeah. And you could tell the guy didn't want to do it. He was like, oh, man, that's just, I feel it's weird, you know, thanking God that I'm free and I'm smoking a cigarette. You know, thank you, Lord, for this. But he said, he said he'd do that. He, he said he'd stand on the side corner, corner and he'd be, thank you, Lord, that I'm free from cigarettes. He'd be, and then, then he, he'd put them on his nightstand. Lord, I thank you that I'm free from cigarettes. About a week later, he's, he's out there. He's on the side, and he's outside, and he starts to light it up. And he says, Lord, thank you that I'm free from cigarettes. He said, as he did, something just came over him. The power of God came down on him. And he said he never smoked again. Amen. And he said he came back in the healing school. He said, I didn't have to ask him. He said, it looked like a neon sign in the, in, in the dark. <laughs> he said, brother, he said, what happened? And he gave him that testimony. Yeah. Amen. But there's freedom. There's freedom in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Come on, just praise him a little bit. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you came to this earth to give your life. That whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I thank you, Lord, that this year shall be a year of freedom for all. Lord, it shall be a year of freedom. Freedom in their health. Freedom in their mind. Freedom in their spirit. Freedom in their every part of their being. I thank you, Father, that we're going from grace to grace, glory to glory, faith to faith, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that even as we dedicate this time this year, Lord, I thank you that you're able to, to bring to pass things that we never could in our own. And we thank you for it. We bless you.